Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 40th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Alan. Hey, it's me, Alan, again. A zero episode. Yeah, I'm excited. Zero episode. Woot. Zero, zero, zero. I mean, speaking of zeros, we have Sean here, too. Boom! <laughs> I, I was in. getting ready to interrupt you and be like, I'm here again. <laughs> We're over the hill now. 40, slow burn. Mid-podcast 40. crisis. 40, 40, 40. Is there any more conventions before Gen Con, or is that what's, that's what's left? The road to Gen Con. Not any that we're going to, although I think we have a friend who's going to be running some games of World Championship Russian Roulette for us at Dice Tower Con. Yes. I didn't know they had their own convention. I guess that makes sense, though. Well, if you are a new listener or you're just tuning in or maybe you started listening in episode 32 and you still haven't figured out who is who, this is a zero episode. What that means is every 10 episodes, we like to take a break. We like to tell you who we are. What kind of games we like, what kind of games we hate, so you can kind of get to know us better. So going in the future, the voices match the personalities that you either really like or really don't like. I suppose you like if you're listening to this podcast, but uh, I, like I said earlier, I'm your host, SBJ. I run a different podcast called It's Super Effective, and I also run a Pokemon-inspired D&D podcast, but... That's where I kind of fit in. I lead the show from start to finish, or I attempt to. Because this is a podcast about board games, we have two people who are extremely experienced in the board game field, since <laughs> they have their own board game company. Oh. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's, That's all it takes company. to become extremely experienced right. in the board game field. You get your black belt once you get an LLC. <laughs> and file with the state government, and boom. I mean, I don't know how many copies of Two Rooms and a Boom you've sold, but it seems to be pretty popular. <laughs> we have sold 10,000 copies. 10,000 and 100. Is that accurate, or are you pulling my leg? I mean, we've only printed 10,100, and we're out of stock, so... <laughs> okay, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Breaking news. Uh, let's, let's, start with, let's start with you, Sean. <laughs> let's Who start with you? me. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Sean. I'm one half of Tuesday Night Games, along with Alan, co-creator of Two Rooms and a Boom. Uh, and I like role-playing games, mostly. And I like co-op games. And I'm really into theme and new experiences in gaming, feeling empathy, trying something new, putting me in the shoes of somebody whose shoes I've never been in before. All right. I think that sums it up. What about you, Alan? Where where do you stand in this podcast, podcast mix? I stand in the Cleveland Akron area of Ohio. I'm the other half of World the champions. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland Cavs won it. They won it all. So it's the first time in over 50 years that Cleveland has won anything sports related championship wise. It was ridiculous. Something like 1.3 million people flooded the streets of Cleveland. It was insane. It was chaos. But that's where I hail from. I'm the other half of the Tuesday Night Game Company. Uh, my game taste is mostly in creating memorable and happy experiences with friends. So if you leave angry or if it's forgettable, then... 
All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, uh, before, I, I guess I, I didn't say what kind of games I like. I like... Machikoro. I like Machikoro. That's it. That's only it. I do like Machikoro. I like... You like um, Seven Wonders. No, I don't <laughs> like... We've just, I don't like... Se Seven Wonders is okay. I own it. I don't know what kind. I don't know what kind of games I like. I like hidden role games. I suppose that would be the my number one genre: hidden role games. That's yeah. how we met. That is how we met. Yeah, we met because we of the met. resistance. No, two rooms in a boom. No, the guys from the resistance brought me to you. Oh well, saying we met because of the resistance is a little misleading because I wasn't playing resistance with you. You, they brought you to two rooms in a boom. I said, yes. here, this game is better. You'll have I, much more fun here. <laughs> I should say, suck on that, Travis Worthington. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember I the her. the guy from Indie Board and Indie Card. I don't remember their name. Indie Game. Indie Board and Cards. Travis Indie Board Worthington. and Cards. There was, I, it wasn't Travis. It was somebody else, a part of the company who I played the Resistance with, who brought me over to say, hey, let's play this other hidden role game, um, which I kind of like better. Me too. Well, just two rooms in a boom, but yeah, that's how we met, so that kind of sums it up. That's the three of us, that's how we met. This is a podcast about board games, tabletop games, some other stuff, and uh, I have written here Tuesday Knaves. Good. <laughs> yeah. Tuesday Knaves. Uh, so, the Tuesday Knaves, this is the other thing about our podcast is we have our usual segments, which is like the intro, topic of the episode, Table Talk. Interaction satisfaction is where listeners provide their feedback, which I'm hoping to just do two real quick ones. And we call our listeners Tuesday names. And I, I think the other thing worth mentioning is this guy that stands in the back booth. Uh, say hello. Arr! That's Captain Chessbeard. So that's it. That's all. That's why I wrote Tuesday names. I was it was just we're looking at this Google Doc and it's like, what does what our podcast do? And. I should I should have put this in the Google Doc. My apologies, but let's do a, a mini game. This is the one of those corny games they do at like new job events, job fairs, stuff like that, where you say, "I'm so excited. I don't know what you're gonna do, but I'm so excited." It's, it, don't don't be that excited. But maybe maybe it'll be okay for our <gasps> listeners. It's it's like it's that game where you say two things about yourself, and one thing is real, and one thing is not. Oh, have you ever well, done that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Sean knows me really well, so he'll be able mm -hmm. to identify which one's real and which one's fake really easily. But, uh, but we've probably talked about it. You want to start, SBJ? Lead us off. Oh, Ooh, good. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I will say that the two things I've never broken a bone in my body, and the other one is I don't know how to swim. Those both sound like you. Uh, I would say you've never broken a bone in your body. I don't know. SBJ seems like, like a BMXer. <laughs> no, I, I think it's false. Uh, although, you know what? I mean, I wouldn't be... Eat, neither one of those would surprise me. Neither one of those would surprise me. Yeah. Where do you live, SBJ? Uh, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Do people know how to swim up there? It seems like it'd be cold up there. Too cold so. to learn how to swim. They're, Anytime they're about to fall, they just fall into cheese, and it saves them from breaking their bones. Right, so right. I, I, I think breaking so the bone is the lie. Well, no, I mean, is the truth. Damn we, it. we have this thing in Milwaukee. I don't know if it's, it's, it's something in other cities where we have, like, a, the polar plunge where on New Year's Eve or maybe New Year's Day, people run into Lake Michigan on January 1st and just dive in and then walk out. 
We have that over here at Lake Erie as well. Okay. There are polar bear swimmers. Yeah. I see. Yeah. All right. I think that's enough time that has passed. Uh, I actually don't know how to swim. That, well, that was the truth. I have broken both oh my... my. I have, I've yeah. broken uh, both of my wrists skateboarding at one point in my life. I was close. Yeah. BMXing, you know. That was wrong. <laughs> Extreme. Oh. My goodness. Hey, SBJ, I yes. was a certified swim instructor for years, a lifeguard, and a swim coach, everything aquatic. So if you ever want me to teach you how to swim, I can do it. That, or I've wrestled bears before. Or I grew up with a pet leopard. I gave you three. I guess I'm cheating. You gave us three. So wait, is one real yeah. or is two real? You got isn't that what you guys have to figure out? Oh, I'm I ruining guess. the game, guys. I'm so no, no, good it's at fine. This. I'm gonna put some cool background music in for this. Uh I'm like Jeopardy. I don't want to say anything. Because you know this, don't you, Sean? Do you know, Sean? You know I, yeah, I do. I feel like the leopard is real. And the other two are fake. That's is it? Is that your final answer? The, uh, I'm. I would say the uh, bear is definitely fake. The Alan leopard is, is such a cheater. The, the leopard I'm such is a real. And we'll get to that in the later part of this episode. And um, the the swimming stuff is probably real. I feel like anyone could do that except me. So the, the the only fake one is the bear. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're really close, man. You're really close. He deserves credit, I think. Doesn't he, Sean? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's good enough to get credit. What's the actual answer, Sean? They're all true. They're, They're all, all true. true. No, all Alan right. cheated. No, I cheated. Wait, look, look. The, the swimming stuff is boring. What's the story with the bears real quick? I've wrestled bears. Like at the zoo, in the wild? Oh, okay. You really want me to tell the story. So my father uh, was a plastic surgeon. He's retired now. And I'm not sure if you've ever went to kiss a dog on top of the head. And as you do so, it lifts its head up and it bashes your face and it really hurts. Well, when you're an exotic animal keeper and you have a whole bunch of lions, tigers, and bears, and a bear does that to you instead of a dog, the weight difference and thickness of the skull doesn't just hurt, but it splits your skull in half. So there was this exotic animal refugee keeper, basically like if a magician died and he left behind a lion, where does that lion go? Well, it goes to Sam Mazzola, and Sam had this wildlife refugee, and a bear put its head up into his face and it cracked his skull open. So my father basically put his face back together again. And Sam was so thankful. He said, Hey, you got to check out my animals, check them out. And my dad did, and he didn't have enough room for some stuff. So uh, my father was in love with a leopard. So my father got certified by the federal government to also have exotic animals. So we transformed our house into a little bit of an overflow of an exotic animal refugee so I helped raise lions and tigers and bears and the bears uh, in order to keep them, give them exercise and companionship uh, would require some wrestling. So we trained them how to wrestle. So it was lots of fun. And let me tell you, I got plenty of bear wrestling stories to fill an entire episode, but I don't want to do that right now. Man, we're here that to is talk like about the games. most interesting thing I think you've ever told me. 
You should make a you should make a game about that. About my life. About, There's a lot of stories about, of my life too. About wrestling bears and or leopards. Let me tell you something. This is gonna sound arrogant, but I think most people who know me think it's true. My life was really relatively unique and interesting. And then I got into board games. And that's when it was basically all my stories are now about board games. <sighs> I was once in a commercial for Hasbro. Um, and my dad started his career off as an intern at NASA. All right. I, I know this. So it's all up to you, SBJ. Oh, we got to get out of each other's butt, Sean. Guess know each sure, other yeah. too well. <laughs> is this like another? Are you cheating like Alan, where like they're both true, no. they're both false? One of them is true, and one <laughs> of them is a lie. Um, I would say your dad working at NASA is a lie. I you were probably in like a Hasbro commercial when you were like eight. <laughs> so that's your answer. Is Hasbro is the truth? Yes. You're accurate. You're correct. Yeah. Accurate. Oh, so boring. <laughs> uh, I was in a Hasbro commercial that I don't think ever aired uh, when I was 18. I uh, thought you were going to say eight. That would have been so sweet. That would have been money, man. It was for a poster phone, a poster that was also a phone. Uh, so you could have like a poster of 98 degrees of the Backstreet Boys and it would have a little, you know, shittily produced plastic phone at the bottom and you could call your friends. And I wore a beanie and cargo pants and... They paid me $1,200 for a day's worth of work, and I thought, this is awesome. My dad did not work at NASA, but my uncle worked at Lockheed Martin as a contractor for NASA in Houston. That was a little bit about us. Again, if this is your first time listening, we do different segments. We usually do an intro, episode uh, zero episodes, episodes that end with a zero, 30, 40, 50, for example. We're going to spend a little more time talking about ourselves so you can get to know our voices and our personality. Uh, we also have other segments like our topic of the episode where we focus on something specific in regards to board games. We have table talk where we talk about games we've re recently been playing for the last week. And we also have a segment called interaction satisfaction where we take comments and emails from our listeners and we read them and try to address them in a way, which we're going to do right now. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Because Alan has two of them for us. Boom, real quick. I'm sure we have more than just two, but I just thought this was awesome and worth sharing right away. Andrew Baker sent me a Facebook message, and I thought he was a student of mine because he says, Mr. Girding. Uh, but only my students say that. But then I realized he was podcast talking from the podcast because he capitalized D-I-N-G. <laughs> Gerding he says, Mr. Gerding, I have a gift for you. While listening to your podcast on my walk the other night, I came up with a party game similar to Snake Oil called Elevator Pitch. It is intended to be app based. This is the prototype. And then he provides a link. HTTP colon slash slash games for Brian spelled with a Y dot com slash elevator pitch slash elevator underscore pitch dot HTML. Nice work, Sean. Sorry, I anyway. just missed the days where people like spelled out long URLs like in commercials <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like you're writing it down like, oh, you say forward slash or backslash. What is it? It's pretty cool. Ah. 
oh my god i just went to the app and it run out of time and the out of time noise is so obnoxious it just scared the crap out of me <laughs> oh my goodness i had it running in the background i didn't realize oh you're a dick andrew oh my god my heart is racing like crazy i'm sad that i couldn't come across the podcast but anyways it basically gives you a person who you are and what you're trying to sell and it has a time limit so we could probably use that app just to if we're out of ideas for our elevator pitches for example right now it says you are a bigfoot trying to sell a death ray to the president of the united states you have 75 seconds left yeah don't let time run out sean because it will give I you will a not. cardiac arrest <laughs> oh my god that's very cool and that was uh andrew <laughs> andrew b who wrote in Andrew Baker, yeah. I won't keep doing this, but this one I like. You are a fast food cashier trying to sell a fart to a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm done. Awesome, Andrew. Thanks. This is really cool that we actually have fans doing stuff for us. It's it's amazing. Uh, The other one, make it quick again, is from Ryan Davis. He sent me a Facebook post that said, I say that the fans of the podcast should be called the Tuesday Nights. He's referring, of course, to us calling them Tuesday names. And uh, to Ryan, I say, sorry, we already use names, but there's a reason we don't use nights. And it's kind of clickish, isn't it? It is. It's because nights is already used for people that play test our games. So Alan's like, personal friends and uh, other people. What I do see they how pay it you? is. <laughs> you could be a Tuesday night, too. You just have to be one of our beta testers. I'll totally call you a Tuesday night. So a listener is a knave. And then if you really want to get involved, start playtesting games for us. Give us some constructive feedback. And you get to try out a game before it comes to market. Yeah. Emphasis on constructive. Is a a knave like a a junior knight? What what exactly is a knave? A knave is just like a citizen. Oh, okay. A dishonest or unscrupulous man. It's also another term for jack in cards. Yeah, knaves is usually a a negative term. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nave, I traditionally have always known it as like the jack of cards, and therefore, what is a jack? Jack is usually, what the hell is it? Yeah, like the squire or something like that to a, to a knight. But, but yeah, a knave means like a rogue or a rascal. Like, ah, you knave, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, there you go. That sounds great. You rascal. The Tuesday Night Rascals. Cool. Well, let's, uh, surprisingly, we got through all that pretty quickly. Excuse me, Sam, do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. Uh, Let's move on to our topic of the episode, which is what type of gamer stereotype are you? We know Alan is the cheater stereotype. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, no, I just, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Let me run down the list of what we, what we have here and I'll describe. I've learned from my other podcasts. I like reading lists. Just because I think they're, I think they're funny. Like Letterman. No, I just I just think lists are funny in podcast form because it's very like when you're driving, it's very hard to keep track of everything that was just like given to you. <laughs> so I think I that's like if, ironically if, funny. If listeners have more than that are in this list or know them by someone something else, feel free to let us know. I basically stole these from mostly Jeremiah Isley, and he got them from the internet and whatnot. So these aren't totally made up. But go for it, SBJ. I see this whole thing also coming up in a lot of role-playing games. Like, in a lot of Dungeon Master guides now, they'll say, like, oh, there's a power gamer, there's this, and this is how you deal with that kind of player. Um, the the 
unspoken thing, of course, being like, talk to them like they're a grown up, <laughs> you know, but it's like, <laughs> no, force the power gamer into these weird struggles with other monsters. It's like completely circumnavigates the normal stuff. All right, take everyone phone, everyone's phones, put them in a basket. Whoever touches their phone first has to pay for pizza. Let's go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, all right, so we have uh, I'm, Eugene Hygiene, somebody who always, uh, these are, I like how they're like puns. Uh, somebody who always smells bad. We have Smarty Alec, always shows off game knowledge. Al Paralysis, takes forever <laughs> on their turn. Uh, Ed didn't mention it. Teaches the rules poorly. And I'm assuming Ed is kind of like he'd, right? Like, or like he didn't mention it or something. I don't know. That's what I'm hearing in my head in kind of like a yeah. rhyming way. Uh, impatient Patty hates Al Paralysis, jumps in without learning, hates waiting. Justin just win. Will do anything to win. Highly competitive with poor sportsmanship. The Professor... Always wants to teach, always holding the rule book, chiming in with strategy. I actually don't think that one's that bad. Frida, forgetful, can't remember the rules or how to play. Sammy Sandbagger, if I'm not having fun, no one else is having fun. This is how the podcast is, actually. Um, Ace Attorney, rules lawyer, no house <laughs> rules, as it's written. Distraction Jackson, where are the Cheetos? I'm on my phone, is it my turn? And uh, yeah, if, the, if our listeners have any more, uh, feel free to write in or tweet at us uh, at PlayTKG or podcast at Tuesday Night Games. But let's uh, let's run these down. I'll I guess. immediately fall on my sword. I'm definitely guilty of being a distraction, Jackson. Jackson, I'm I'm terrible at that. I'm always on my phone, um, and. It comes from this place where I feel like I'm good at multitasking, like I can listen to one thing one person's saying and doing another. But the truth is, I'm not. I just feel that way. And so I'm always like I was playing XCOM and like checking text messages and reads like, Sean, we're going to die. It's your turn. That's probably my biggest flaw as a gamer. I am definitely not great at teaching rules, um, but that's all there there's always that situation where it's like well i can either teach these rules poorly or we cannot play the game because none of the rest of you know how to teach this game either but i would say yeah uh distraction jackson that's me for sure that might be my <sighs> least favorite person to play with is distraction. Oh, <laughs> drama. I, well uh, so if if, the, if there's a game like machi koro I, I like Machi Koro because everyone is involved, even when it's not your turn. So if somebody rolls, so so if it's not your turn and somebody rolls a five and you have a card for a five, you still have to pay attention so you can collect your money for what they rolled. And that's why I like Machi Koro a lot. Besides that, it's it's like a light game that has high luck, low strategy, so it's very easy to teach. But there are there are other games like um, I'm trying to think where it's where it's pretty much when it's somebody else's turn. Like, you could be on your phone because what they do doesn't matter. It's almost, I can't think of a game off the top of my head that, like, everyone, it's almost like everyone is playing the game, but they're all, everyone's doing their own thing that doesn't affect anyone else. Probably Seven Wonders. Or... Agricola is, is solitaire with very little overlap. Yeah. So is that right. Seven Wonders, yeah, is, is too, because, I mean, even if you're trying to pay attention, you still have no clue what the other person's doing. <laughs> Yeah, why do you love that game so much? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I just love that sound you made. <laughs> like co- code sure name- <laughs> Code names could be another one because you're what what the other team's doing isn't really relevant to you more sort of say. What Although a- I listen to their clues to know what not to pick. So in code names, I have to listen to their clue and figure out what they're trying to guess because if I think I have it, I know don't pick them words. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. I, the the what, uh, two leaders are more involved than the people just guessing. What stereotype do you think you are, uh, SBJ? I can tell you that this past weekend, I felt like I was a Sammy Sandbagger. Ooh. Oh, my. Well, let me tell you, Sammy Sandbagger is probably my least favorite person <laughs> to play with. I, I, Suck a dick and die. <laughs> I, could, I could tell the story real quick. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm normally not like this. I had some friends over from Texas. They were my they were my the my board game couple that I used to always play games with. They moved to Texas. I think I brought them up before, but uh, we played a game of Mysterium, which I'll talk about in Table Talk because I actually played a board game. But then we moved on to uh, Jackbox, wh- which is Ooh, super. Oh, fun. I love it! I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah, it's it's where you play. Play, It's where everyone has an, uh, their iPhone or their Android or the tablet, and they connect to the game on the TV. So it's kind of like a board game, but in digital form. And the, the Jackbox has a whole bunch of games, but we played a game called Bidiots. Uh, I think it's in Jackbox 2. I love it! And have you played Bidiots? Oh yeah, I've played every Jackbox okay, game okay, there cool. is multiple times. So if you, if you haven't played Bidiots, what it is is everyone draws two different pictures, and they're all pretty similar. So my, my example is we had to draw, I think, somebody sleeping, and there were, everyone got a different variation of that. And then we had to draw a different variation of a hamburger. So mine was a veggie burger. Somebody else had a double cheeseburger. They're all supposed to look somewhat similar. And so that was the first time I went to play Bidiots. And my friend skipped over the rules because he just assumed we knew how to play. And I was like, oh, like, I, I don't know how to play it. And he like tried to explain it. And he was like, never mind. Let's just quit and start over. So we quit. We start over. And since we already skipped the rules, it assumed that you guys, you guys skipped it the first time. You guys know what to do. No rules. So then he again attempted to explain it as we we're going through. And for like the first time, I, I sat there and I was like, this is what it feels like when you try to teach a game you're really excited about. But like one person does like is not having fun and you don't know what you did wrong. And I feel like that person now not having fun. And so the point of idiots is you every piece of painting, everything you drew comes up and it has some kind of value and this is where I, I still don't understand the rules of idiots, I guess. The game automatically assigns different values to paintings. And right. it gives other players hints on... Yes. Like, it told me at one point that your friend, so-and-so, knows the true price of this painting. So I was watching uh, him bid up, and I was like, well, I know that like he's bidding a lot, so that painting must be one of the ones that is more valuable. But it, I think there was 10 rounds, and I didn't start bidding until round like seven because i wasn't like i i just well, I was still trying to grasp and so i felt like i was bringing everyone down because people were not like steve why aren't you bidding like blah 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 and i was like i i'm i get i get the game i i got the game i just didn't get the strategy if yeah. that makes any sense it so really what you got into is you had a friend who was an ed didn't mention it who taught the rules poorly which led you into sandbagging, becoming a Sammy sandbagger, because you, you it, I'll be honest, of the Jackbox games, 
that is by far the most rules oriented game. And it usually takes a couple times playing to really learn the strategy of the game. And one of the big strategies is faking out people into bidding higher on your own paintings or on a painting you know is worthless. And then not trying to have anyone bid on the ones that you know or believe are worthwhile. So it's it's definitely one of those things, too, where you can get into an impossible-to-catch-up situation, which just stinks. Like, it could be halfway through the game, and you realize, well, I've called the loan shark twice already. There's no coming <laughs> back from this, because... Brian has already won three paintings, each of which paid off way more than the amount of money he had to spend on them. Uh, yeah, it's 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 an auctioning game. It's, I will it's say cool. though that overall, Jackbox the like the one of the greatest things about Jackbox Party Pack One and Two is they do teach you the games pretty well. Like I remember the rules for Fibbage and how it goes through, and I don't think after after actually watching the the game explain the rules, I don't think most people had any questions besides like hey what would you suggest would be a good strategy you know but you get that with any game like okay i get the rules but how do i now apply those in a strategic way to win yeah we should get money uh... from jackbox because <laughs> we love them so much yeah otherwise i think in general i might be the professor i'm always holding the rule book just because i'm always teaching the game and i i'm always in the back of my head like afraid that i'm i'm, I'm messing up or i'm missing a rule and then somebody's going to be like, you didn't tell me this, and then get mad. So maybe that's where I fall fall under. What about you, Alan? Uh, so I'm probably most guilty of, if it's Eugene hygiene, I blame my friends because I would hope someone would tell me, hey, you kind of smell bad, or at least would have given me those subtle hints of buying me deodorant and toothpaste and whatnot. So hopefully I'm not a Eugene hygiene because that is probably one of the strongest gamer stereotypes. I'm definitely a smarty Alec, which is where I like to show off game knowledge. True story. I'm in Barnes and Noble wrestling People a bear. Are, you're wrestling a bear. <laughs> took a time out. Bear went into the Starbucks section of the Barnes and Noble. <laughs> But there was a couple people looking at a game and they're like, oh, is this game any good? And I hear them talking like, how do you play this game? And of course, I had to just slide on and, and say, oh, well, that's the game of uh, blah, 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 blah. And it's hit or miss. And you got to play like this. Like, oh, but if you really like that, then you're going to love this game. Blah, blah, blah. To the point where they said. Okay, where's the register at? I'm like, what? I don't know. Where's this section? And they started asking me other questions about the store because they naturally assumed I worked there. And that was kind of the palm to the face. We're like, oh, God, I, I just sound like an employee rather than just some <laughs> helpful citizen because I just am pressuring them to buy games, not even realizing it. So definitely a smart Alec. Uh, I definitely name drop too. Like if someone's like, hey, let's play Fuse, I'll say, oh, you know, that was designed by Kane Klenko, and I helped playtest the game Dead Men Tell No Tales. We did the Kickstarter video. So like I'm name dropping myself when I feel a relationship to a designer or a publisher or something like that. Hence probably this podcast. Do you think, do you think people are annoyed when you do that? You know what? I'd like to think that I have my fingers on the pulse of what annoys people and what does not. However, 
I think everyone believes that about themselves, and that's <laughs> right. the problem. So I hope not. So I, I try to check myself. I'm a big believer in self self growth and insight, and I really hold my tongue a lot and try to let people experience it on their own. Uh, but I will say, if it's not Sandy Sam, Sammy Sandbagger that I hate the most, it's definitely just in, just win. Someone who will do anything just to win. Because I've had this conversation with many people on several occasions. Hey, man, don't be like that. The object of the game isn't to win. Yeah, it is. The object of the game is to win. Nope. The reason we're playing this game is to have fun. And right now, no one's having fun because some people are freaking out. I disagree. The object of the game is to win. Just, and the thing is, Justin just wins off, oftentimes are also Sammy sandbaggers because when they're not winning, they just say, this game sucks, cross their fingers, and almost want to flip the table over. So I just think it goes into the same heap of poor sportsmanship a lot I'd of I'd have times. to agree, yeah. Justin just win is probably, it's the poor sportsmanship thing that bugs me the most, I think, because I don't mind competitive play in a competitive game um, like I think there are games that you shouldn't be competitive at, but I think like there are games where, like wonders. just to help. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but you know, like I love seeing people get into it, like with taboo or charades, where they're really trying and they want to beat the other team and they're having a good time. The question is, can you win gracefully and can you lose gracefully? Um, That's the real game. The real right. game is not being the asshole. Because I have so many times where somebody's won. And we'll have situations where somebody will say like, hey, who won that game you guys were playing? And the one will be like, I don't know. Who do you think won? You know, asking the other players. And we're like, fuck, you did, man. Come on. Like, um, you couldn't have just said like, oh, I did. But so-and-so played really well. And then the opposite, of course, is you have the loser who like they lose. And they don't even want to talk about it. It's like, no, you should try hard. And then at the end of the game, be like, whoo, you really got me. You were way better at that than I was. Like, I, you know, we should just be able to walk away from that. And everybody get a turn at being good at something. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So try, but don't try to the point where you're a tyrant. Because I've said something very similar at the end of games where someone's like, yeah, I won. And have said, did anyone win? I don't think any of us just won that game. Because <laughs> let's feel the temperature of the room right now. It's not pretty. No one won. There's uh, the, the list is uh, here's my bad pun. I don't know. I'm not I'm not good with these, but the You're list not good is, at bad puns? No, yeah, right. Correct, <laughs> correct. I'm only good at excellent puns. There's no like Jill and Bill couples demolition team where Jill and Bill are dating and they will do anything in their interest to make sure that it's they a good one. only help each other. <laughs> yep. You've got the Justin Just Win like power couple thing going on. Right, yeah. Like, oh, I could trade with you, but I'm saving all my cards for my girlfriend and or boyfriend and or significant other. This I'm might... totally guilty of that in the past where I studied all the taboo cards with my girlfriend just so we could have this one epic game of taboo where we're getting like 16 cards per round. People are like, how are you guys doing that? We're in love. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> but... We told everyone at the end, just like I told SBJ. So yeah, I hate to think of myself as a cheater. I'd like to think of it as memorable moments. So doing it for it's like in Spyfall when you deal everyone a spy as a spy. I mean, yeah, that's kind of breaking and cheating the game, but it's a memorable experience. Or you deal no spies. 
is also very memorable. That's awesome, too. Because <laughs> I've accidentally done that, and that was probably one of the best games of Spyfall I've ever played. It's it's one of the weird things about the board gaming industry is, and maybe even a ma major failing on our part, but we're one of the few forms of entertainment where you have to actually cultivate a good group of people to have fun. Whereas, like, there's a very wide amount of things I'll tolerate when watching a movie in the theaters. Pretty much if you don't, like, yell at the screen, um, we're going to have a good time. And even then, if what you say is pretty funny and nobody else seems to be that upset, I'm probably not going to care if you're yelling at the screen either. Um, but that's a really passive activity. But in board gamings, the vast majority of board games you can break out, and if you don't have the right people who want to play that specific game, you are not going to have a good time, which is very tough for an entertainment medium. Yeah, yeah. I, I we we could probably talk about this topic for easily another hour, but speaking of your audience and knowing your audience, we all played some games this past week, so let's dive into some table talk. It's time for the table talk. And, Looking at the table. And I played something, guys. I played Mysterium. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. <laughs> Let, let's hear it. We won't make you elevator pitch it. Yeah, so I think we've it. already elevator pitched Myster Mysterium. I actually think Logan might have on one of the B-team episodes. But uh, like I said earlier, my friends from Texas came in, and I wanted to start with something quote-unquote heavy. Uh, I would, I would, my, my friend who, my friend Aaron is pretty much into games like, uh, like me. So we could, we could easily go all night playing games like Power Grid or, um, seven one. I'm just kidding. Not seven one. Like Power <laughs> Grid, <laughs> like Power Grid or heavier games like that. That's like what we love. Um, but his, his wife is, is not so much. It's more, she's more of the like sushi go ticket to ride crowd. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I like those games too. Uh, so I was like, oh, I, I, They've never heard of Mysterium. Mysterium was such a good seller at Gen Con last year. It's actually really easy to teach. Um, people are, are, all you have to do is say it's like Clue and they get it. Uh, so I was the ghost. Irene and my, my couple friends, they were the psychic. So it was just a four player game and we played it and it was, it was fine, I guess. And at the end I was like, what'd you guys think? And they were like, it's okay. And that was it. It was just like, oh. Yeah, it's an okay game. I don't see what the hype was about at Gen Con. It just, it's okay. And then I was like, yeah, it is just kind of okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. Mysterium was cool. And then I played Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. And I immediately thought, well, never playing Mysterium again. <laughs> Speaking of our hobby and our medium, I feel like board games, like, quickly make other board games pretty obsolete. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something that Sean and I try to do with Tuesday Night Games, and it's something that any game designer should really focus on is making a game is not a big deal. Making the best game of its type, that's a big deal. So if we make a game and we're thinking, this is a really good game, but it's not quite as good as Sushi Go, then pff, you know it's not worth publishing. They sort of like in big companies like Google... Uh, when they're hiring, there's this idea that, like, everybody here is so talented that if we're going to hire you, I basically have to be able to picture somebody I would fire today to put you in their place because everybody else is so good. And a lot of times when publishing games, we play a lot of prototypes, Alan, way more than I do, um, uh, of course. But there's this thought of, like, what game will this game just completely destroy if we're going to publish it? Because publishing a game that's kind of like another game, but the theme's a little bit different. 
or, you know, it's like, oh, that's a good game. It's just not good enough um, for how crowded the marketplace is getting. Yeah, I think I've, I felt the same way once I discovered Spyfall. It was like, it's kind of hard to go back to the resistance because we've talked about this to death, but the resistance brings out so much anger in people. And Spyfall is just... It's, feel it's, the hate. Spyfall is, is, captures the feel of the resistance, but it's just funny. Yeah. You, it's, it's so hard to get mad at somebody from Spyfall because you're laughing consistently in every turn, and I don't think a single person laughs in the resistance. Yeah, yeah. I have end. had someone rage in Spyfall, but that's a story for another day. All right, all right. Uh, Alan, I'm sure you have a list of games you've played. Yeah, I got to, I want to say, play a prototype for uh, Betabots, and uh, that was actually up on Kickstarter. Played ROFL. By the way, let me ask you guys, what does RFL stand for? Rolling on the floor laughing. SPJ, you agree? Yes. Uh, then we have a friend, Ben Canellis, who is a very talented game designer, and he always brings his games, and we played a couple of his, and he's actually gotten some of his signs, so that's really exciting. Uh, Get Adler, which I mentioned before but haven't talked about, Hit or Miss, and Word Blur. Yeah. Hmm. I would say out of those, Hit or Miss sounds the most appealing. I mean, I don't know. It's hit or miss. All right. Shall I elevator pitch this thing? Let's do it yes, quick. Yes, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, who am I? You are a French person. Oh, jeez. You are a French robot. Oh, jeez. All right. I think I got this. All right. Definitely got it. I can tell already. Ding me, SBJ. Ooh la la, Mousserie, <laughs> welcome to the elevator. You are going to make a list of things on a list, and you smell so beautiful. Mm -mm. While I eat this croissant, beep, beep, boop, boop, you will list as many ice cream flavors that you can. Beep, beep. Everyone else is doing the same. Then, after time is up, each person rolls a die. I'm turning Russian here. It's getting crazy. <laughs> it's hard. Beep, 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 beep. And if you roll hit, you must choose to uh, uh, item on your list. Other people have get point for every person who have that. Or if you roll miss, Choose item on your list that nobody else has. Get point. Everyone has turned. That's game. Ding. <laughs> is Accents definitely have gravitational pulls. Is, is this like a team versus team kind of game? Nah, it's totally individual. Okay. It's by game right. And I used to think it was awesome. Because we would play it where we'd come up with our own categories. And my wife is always awesome at this. She came up with one category like uh, best euphemisms for dick. And like that was a great list. But it comes with a, its own categories. And it's everyone against everyone. But you're just making a list. But if you choose, if you roll love hit. Lists. Yeah. If you roll hit and you choose an item like ice cream flavors, chocolate. Pretty much everyone's going to have chocolate. So you get a point. 
and then everyone else who had chocolate gets a point. But if you roll miss, you uh, get one point for everyone who didn't have it on their list. But if you had it on your list, you get three points. So miss is kind of risky in that way. But it's it, the the problem was this, and the last time we played was items of contention. For instance, the card that came up was what babies do. And one player rolled miss, and he had written on his list, scare Solomon. It was Solomon. And people were like, nah, you can't do that. Like, thumbs down, because it's not what a baby's doing. It's what the baby's doing to you. And we had a vote, and most people voted it down. Like, that's not an eligible answer. But that is kind of against the essence of having fun. I think you should just reward some type of creativity. Be like, sure, whatever. You're kind of cheating. But whatever, you should never really vote things down. But I went for uh, get aborted. That's what I wrote down when I rolled miss for the same list. And only my wife laughed. That's probably why I'm married to her, because I was trying to get a chuckle. And I'm not saying abortion is laughable, guys. But when you're in a safe group of friends or who I thought were my friends, who know, whatever. I thought they would laugh, but no one left. Like, nope, can't do that. Babies don't get aborted. I'm like, babies don't get aborted? They said, no, fetuses do. I'm like, whoa, this is starting another conversation. But anyways, I got voted down, and then I realized, man, people are getting angry about this. It wasn't about the whole abortion debate. It was about what counts and what doesn't, what's cheating. So I would almost recommend if you are going to play it, make sure you're very clear before you start the timer on what's legal and what is not. Well, I feel Ugh. like in in other games, and this could be to any other game, where if if a group of people in point out to one person like you can't do that, it's almost like they will find something later on to say, "Well, you can't do that." Exactly, you're right. It just it just inserts this seed of discontent, and it's so contagious. And I have to admit, it got to me. I was like, guys, I thought this was a game. I thought we were here for fun. I didn't think we were trying to ace attorney rules nazi this thing up oh well is hit and miss like a 15 dollar 20 dollar game yeah Seems i would pretty imagine light. that it's light it, i mean all it comes with is a timer pad and papers you know pads of paper pencils and that list of categories i would say it's probably at barnes and noble it's probably like 25 bucks maybe even 30 because it comes in a bigger box but realistically sorry game right you don't even need to buy the game to play it. Just play it with your friends, come up with your own categories, and then just get a six-sided die and choose like one and one and two is hit, three and four is miss, and you know, five is and this six. Just categories with like a dice mechanic essentially, or no categories is a different game, Sean. <laughs> right, but is this categories with a dice mechanic? <laughs> Isn't categories really similar? We have categories of words and then you have to write down a list and that whole thing. Yeah, except there's no missing in categories, if I remember correctly. Right, right. That's all I was saying. It's categories, but you add in the hit or miss die. Sorry, I didn't mean to sandbag your comment. <laughs> no, Sean, this isn't. Yeah, I like it a lot more than categories. So it's one of those games that kill another game. So now you just need to make a better hit or miss. And then yeah. can... one critical one hit or miss. <laughs> nice. Uh, Sean, what have you been playing? I played XCOM again on normal, and we lost again, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, felt very. I got to know some of some people I don't normally play games with, and uh, I wouldn't normally think 
because I'm pretty sexist just in my natural resting state. But we played with a couple of girls um, is what I'm saying. And they I was like, I don't know if you'll be into this. It's pretty nerdy. And they just got into it, researching squad commanding the whole thing. And we had a lot of fun and we're, you know, uh, blown away. A lot of yelling for a game that's not a party game. Just a lot of like, yeah, we did it. Or like, no, we suck. So it XCOM was pretty hilarious be because while they were playing XCOM down the basement, a group of uh, the other group that I was a part of was playing beta bots upstairs. And we would just hear them screaming. Yeah. <laughs> And so I told everyone, guys, we have to have more fun. Come on, guys. They're beating us. <laughs> That's awesome. Played some of Ben Canales' games, uh, which is great. Really just a great designer. Love seeing what he does. Um, and then Alan helped me, really helped sort of push me to to get a not really playable version, but I'm working on a role-playing game called Null Hack, a cyberpunk role-playing game. And uh, we play-tested character creation. And I learned a lot from it. Um, because there were so many things that were just super way too complicated, not not very fun at all. Um, but it's one of those interesting things about playtesting where there's this tension between the fact that the faster you get your game out on the table, the more you're the more you'll learn. So essentially, like you learn more from playing a game than you ever do from like sitting and looking at a game and thinking in your head, sort of depending on your level of game designer. And I'm a very low level game designer. Um, so there's there's not as much I can learn from just thinking about a game as there is from just putting it in front of people. Whereas I think high level, higher level game designers um, can sort of run those simulations in their head much more accurately. But it was a lot of fun just because I learned a lot and I feel like I got good direction and it really inspired me um, to move on with that kind of thing. And it was a lot of fun. That's it was awesome. fun. There's so much potential. I kept on telling him, can we play? Can we play? It's like, well, I don't have anything written yet. I was like, Damn it made this character for nothing it's it's nerve-wracking i actually am pretty close to having an adventure done designing a role-playing game is kind of like wanting to design you know final fantasy your first time out when it's like maybe you should stick to tetris or something um because there's so much that can be done you're really selling yourself short because he's put a lot of work into this he has talent trees this talent tree system is amazing not to give too much away but i rolled a shinobi character a cyber shinobi. Oh man, I was so excited. And I'll even share this little bit because you roll on a table to see your starting equipment. And I already planned out in my head how I was going to talent tree up my shinobi. Cause basically there's two different types of talent trees in the shinobi. One is being really stealthy and one is just being awesome with a sword. And my stealth stat was awful. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a great, sword wielding wielding shinobi and when i rolled in the equipment table what did i roll stealth suit Damn it. <laughs> i wanted a sword all that like in-game uh economy stuff is so hard to tweak uh, and uh alan gave me a really good piece of advice that he had heard i don't remember who from but essentially it was when you're designing a role-playing game the worst way to play test it is just to run it as your role-playing campaign for your main group the best way would be Hey, let's role play combat tonight. Let's role play character creation. Let's role play this specific situation where this spell comes up and let's play test those individual things. Because I mean, my D and D group that's been playing, you know, for like a year now, those characters aren't even level four, which means if we were playing this for my game, big, big problems that might come up when you're level 10, we haven't even seen yet. Uh, and so this idea of breaking a role playing game down into its individual encounters or experiences and role and playtesting those specifically, I think is going to be really helpful. 
This uh might be a question for Alan, but when you oh when you play test games, when you when you make a new game, you I don't yes. know like cause a death ghost, and you take it to your group. Do you tell them that you've made it, or it's does that pretty hard to hide the fact that I've made it? <laughs> because it's handwritten cards a lot of times there's different levels of prototypes too so it depends if i think this game is gonna rock i i will actually have like the game crafter make some special cards so it almost looks like a fully published game and i have done that without telling people that this is my game and you get obviously a much more honest reaction but if a game is really rough, you're just taking note cards and freaking writing on the note right, cards. And yeah. at that point, they see your handwriting. So really, I've done both. And I think both are very important. And here's one last little tip. A lot of tips for designers in this episode. And that's a little bit of a surprise. Is I have played a game with my play testers. And they've said, ah, don't really like it. Went back, changed nothing about the game except the component quality where I upgraded it from the note cards into actually uh, drawn, hand-drawn cards that I've uploaded onto Photoshop, et cetera, whatever. And so it looks like a published game. And then they loved it. This game's awesome. I love all the improvements you made. And I couldn't help but mutter myself, yeah, it's a freaking art that's been upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it matters. It really does matter. I, d I just think of like people starting off and like that would probably be my first question is like i don't I, I don't think i would want to tell these people i made this game because then they would not give me honest feedback or they would judge it differently i've surrounded with i think i have the opposite problem i believe i've surrounded myself around with people that are pretty brutal it's one of these things like oh great here's another game by alan let's pull down our pants and get ready to shit on it <laughs> Blind playtesting is totally valuable for both scenarios, either when people know you too well or, you know, um, and they're either giving you unfairly good advice or unfairly bad advice, you know, um, and blind playtesting is hard to find. Even in games where, like, we've played it a lot and we feel like our uh, internal barometers are very highly attuned to what is and isn't fun, nothing beats the fact that at some point someone you've never met before is going to open this game and they're going to read a rule book. And that's going to be their experience with the game. Yeah. It was 30 minutes, 30 minutes ago. That's yeah, SBJ. Hey, I'll run it as long as I want to run it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I suck know. on that, Captain. <laughs> Thinks he runs the show. He no, run I, I thought there was a lot of good content in this episode. Yeah, I just like spending time with you, SBJ. This is the only time we really get to hang. So. Yeah, it's our uh, once, once a week. Uh, but we'll see each other at Gen Con. That's what, uh, only like a month away now. Saturday at 6, y'all! Saturday at 6 is when we're speaking live at Gen Con. Tickets to that are free, and I, you guys will have a booth. You guys will be running both your games, I'm assuming. Yeah. If you wouldn't and mind, though, grab a ticket just so that we can have some sort of estimation of what our night's going to be like. Yeah, we're already running out of tickets. I don't know if that's true or not, but by saying that, it may expedite people to rush to the Gen Con <laughs> website and get themselves some tickets. I have to get some, I have to at least do one full night of Terms and a Boom. I have to figure out what night I want to do that. Because I don't get to play normally unless it's at like Gen Con or a big convention. You don't get to play any games, SBJ. Yeah, right. As this <laughs> podcast has shown. I, I did Mysterium. Come on. Uh, I'm actually, oh, sorry. I'm actually going to Minnesota this weekend for, um, for her, Irene's family, but my other board game couple 
that moved to Minnesota, I will be spending the day with them, and they told me to bring a bag of games, so... Oh, happy 4th of July episode! This is where 4th of July will have occurred a couple, the, yesterday at the time of the release of this, yes. so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to uh, uh, aunt and uncle and nephew, and they love board games, so I'm going to be board gaming it up a weekend long, can't mm, wait! What are you going to... Give us a sneak peek. What's the game that you want to bring that you're going to play with them? Secret, super secret Project H. Yeah. This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> yep. Sean got a taste of it while he was in town. So we're going to play the crap out of it. All right. It's true. Sean, playing any one game for 4th of July? I'll probably be playing hot dog eating contest. All right. That's a good game. Well, uh, Alan, where can our listeners, our knaves, find you well you can find us at gen con saturday six o'clock i'm on facebook my name's alan girding a-l-a-n-g-e-r ding d-i-n-g i'm also on the tweets at alan girding sean you can find me on twitter at at sean mccoy that's s-e-a-n-m-c-c-o-y awesome you can follow me on twitter it is at dragging a lake you can also follow the podcast or tuesday night games on twitter at play PKG. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if there is a type of gamer that you hate playing with, you can send in those emails at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Otherwise, that's all we have. Have a great 4th of July, and this episode is... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs>